Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Woke. <laughs> That's a great start. That's a great start. That's a perfect intro for I'm not even sure of the word I was fumbling over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. I say it every fucking episode. You think I would fumble over my words, but I'm a, I was a little bit overwhelmed, which is what we're going to talk about today. But you know what else? Last episode, I said it. So you, you had a week off last I week. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, you did. So I'm you, out of practice. You are. You're rusty. You've come no, rusty. Normally, normally I'm in the mirror every Friday morning just before <laughs> we come on, just making sure that I get it right. And today I've, I, I was... Des, Troy, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, that's it. Today. That's it. I could kill two birds with one stone. So, um, Nico, me and you today, mate, we're talking about overwhelm. We are talking about overwhelm because I think there's a lot of people experiencing it in society. We've just come out of lockdown, 72 or whatever lockdown it was, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, I've, I've been talking to a lot of clients and I'm just listening to, to how they're doing things, and it's, it's similar. What I'm relating it to is when I came out of a passionate retreat, after 10 days, you know, they say, all right, everyone, you can talk again and here's your mobile phones and everything. And it was really interesting to observe the people that went, oh, thank fuck for that. Oh, blah, 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 And just, just, just started uh, spewing words out just for the sake of it. And then there was a, a few of us um, that were just like, no, we're good. It took me three days to come back down out of, out from that, from that meditation retreat. And, and so, you know, some clients have said in the past, that's a tool that we use, in the past they would have just rushed in and, you know, you see those funny Mel Gibson, Braveheart memes, freedom, and, <laughs> and everyone, everyone's kind of rushing back out into, into life. Um, but a lot of clients have said in the past they would have, but now they're just really, they, they felt the, the amount of stimulus they felt the amount of invitations and the oh, i need to do this need to do that need to do this and they've, they've really just managed to hold it all at bay and just really and say no to people um and just really start to reintroduce themselves slowly and gradually back into the swing of things so yeah, yeah it's kind of like a how do I integrate back in? So I've, I've gone into a period of life and it can be this lockdown situation. We can be there for pastor retreat. Can be also oh, when you came things. when you came out of jail. Like when, I, when you, I came out of my hard time of jail, three evenings, four days now. Yep, four days. It's up to yeah. That's that's, that's, that's some ser- that's some serious conditioning. That's the that's sort of the green mile. I came out and like if anyone walked past me while I was eating lunch, I'd cover my food like this just as yeah. a natural in- reaction. In- institute institutionalized. I was carrying a shiv on me at my parents' house. Well. And I didn't need to. <laughs> Boy, Dad, give us that bit of bacon. Come here. Um, <laughs> um, but I think there's this this abnormal life circumstance, whether we've chosen to do that or not. You chose to go into a pastor retreat. Um, we haven't chosen to be put in lockdown, but it's like this abnormal life circumstance, and then things go back to some semblance of you know, I'll use air quotes, normal. And um, it's like, well, how am I then going to interact back with that normal again, based on what I've been in? I think what you're explaining is really important. It's 
it's really being more mindful about stepping back into our lives because whether we go on a the pastor retreat in lockdown, you hear it a lot in, um, you know, plant medicines are really, you know, buzz thing at the minute. Um, and a big thing in that is like, yeah, you can go take people away and blast their heads off with psilocybin or ayahuasca, but it's like, how am I going to actually take this back into my life, you know, and, and create change in my life? That's why the, we said with the Vipassana, those people that, you know, automatically like, oh, thank fuck, that's over. Where's my phone? It's like, how much of my Vipassana experience am I going to take back into my life? Because that was the point of doing it in the first place. Or am I going to win if in six months time, my life's going to be a mess again, I'll need to do another Vipassana, I'll need to go and take plant medicine or whatever it is. Well, there's, you can, you can uh, I like to sort of sit back and, and subcategorize groups and, and, and with, um, yeah, the, the, I'd probably I'd probably say eighty percent of the population. Just to throw a number out there, uh, change when there's a catalyst for change, and then twenty percent realise that there's a catalyst coming up, and they they take proactive measures to change before they have a heart attack or divorce or breakdown or whatever the case. But but the majority of people tend to wait until there's a catalyst for change, um, and so with the the. You know, something like the Vipassana retreat, a lot of people will go there to fix themselves, like they're going to meditate to medicate, and they'll go back and they'll do a Vipassana retreat every year. Oh, it's a link to that quote that we are what we repeatedly do, so excellence, therefore, is a habit, not an act. And, and, and so they go and do these acts of meditation or acts of psilocybin or acts of ayahuasca or acts of whatever it is, um, you know, when I work at the, the retreat in Thailand, there's, there's very affluent people go there and, and they're using that as sort of a band-aid. They're going, oh, I'm going to go and get massaged and pampered and relax and chill. You know, and they do that for a week or two weeks, but then they go rushing back into their, their lives and <laughs> get so wound up that it creates the need for them to then have these one or two week periods where... In mindful, we're trying. We, we talk about sustainability and integrating this into your life, embodying this, incorporating it into your life. So, living a meditative life, living a mindful life, you know, not just doing meditation or having that meditative practice, for instance. Yeah, it's like um, you know, people and I used to do this as well. It's like we we work our asses off in a job we tend to not really like that much and where we do it all and we put our pennies away so we can you know take those couple of weeks off at the end of the year or whatever it is and we go on a holiday and we blow heaps of cash and spend all this money on shit that we don't need and then you know we come back into the drudge of it and we kind of just look forward to that next holiday again where it's like you know a more sustainable way of that was what if i instead of saving up for this lavish holiday i work four days a week instead of five and i don't quite earn you know as much money and i spend every friday you know, doing things that I absolutely love and fills my cup up and that kind of thing. Then I'm kind of, I'm stepping more in towards living a life that I don't need a holiday from, which I think is a far more sustainable way than this. It's like this, this human thing that it's in all of us, you know, it's like, go, 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 go. And then I need to escape from it all of a sudden. And then I come back to it, go, 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 go. And then I've got to escape from it again in somehow. And people do this every weekend, you know, I've got to go out on the weekend. And once again, I do this all the time. And I have to get plastered and smashed all weekend to try and forget about the, you know, that I have to go back to work on Monday. And then it would happen again next weekend, same thing. And we do it on this micro and macro scales 
which, you know, that certainly wasn't sustainable for me. And so, you know, for me and a lot of clients that I work with, one of the, the key words that comes up time and time again, it has for years is balance. How can I create more balance in my life so I don't go into overwhelm, so I don't burn myself out, so I just don't start resenting the people that I love and the things that I have to do, um, so I don't need to escape. You're telling me that there's a that it's possible for us to create a life that works for us. It's it, I, I, it's so obvious when you're about to make a facetious comment because it always starts. <laughs> so you're telling me? <laughs> you mean I can I can design my life? We, but that, we don't think that we can do a lot of people don't think they can correct i do like I, I see clients monday to thursday i intentionally don't see clients on friday because and i only see a certain amount of clients monday to thursday and because balance is the key for me balance is essential as soon as you know and balance as i said isn't being perfectly still it's just like riding a bicycle it's ebbing and flowing um, but but it's important to me to look after myself so I'm in a position to look after other people and I don't start resenting my work. I don't get compassion fatigue. I don't um, you know, f- ever fear that, oh, I have to go to work. I don't even yeah, – yeah, it's an interesting one that, that people say, oh, do what you love for a living and you'll never work a day in your life. And, and that's great, but probably only 10 or 20% of the population get to do that as well. Uh, and it's and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I've had clients, you know, try and get into the industry that they're passionate about, and then they go, they lose the passion for it. So they're mm. better off keep, keeping it just as a hobby. Um, so, so you only learn that by doing it, though, don't you? Well, yeah, or by hearing about other people doing it and having right. the emotional intelligence to go, well, maybe I, maybe I won't do that. But, so how um, did you how did you come to a point of balance? Like, is that just something through your metanoia that was clear to you, or did you start working and then find that there was an imbalance there that you had to correct? No, I just I I, I knew that I from where I'd come from that I had to prioritize myself, and I can't help anyone unless I'm okay. That was that was from the get go. So my work was based on that foundation which which has been very important just think about that sentence though it's so important it's not just for like a therapist like me and you but anyone a mother a father a brother a sister a school teacher i I can't help anyone unless i'm okay well that's the yeah we've got got the five fundamentals uh uh, is is what the the myfit program is based off and the first of those is is your priorities and and if you're not your number one priority then then it's, the rest of it's going to be really difficult. You are going to be reactive. Things are going to be on top of you. You are going to end up feeling overwhelmed. You're going to need those lovish holidays or, or those band-aids just to survive. And so many people end up in survival mode and coping instead of managing their life and, and managing their day. It's, it's the work-life balance is such a terrible sentence because it, it, it insinuates that there's life other than there's work. You know, Separate. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. independent of each other. But I'm not living when I'm working. That insinuates, doesn't it? Yeah, and so if we can, if we can lose the compartment, uh, everything's everything's a double-edged sword. Everything has a pro and a con. Compartmentalization is is very helpful at times, but it can it can be harmful at times. So if you start compartmentalizing, like, right, I have I'm exercising here, and I am am, am 
being a dad then and I'm working then and I, you know, that's, that's marginalizes or sectionalizes everything. Uh, where if you just treat every day as, oh, today I am, I am living. And, and, and within, within those parameters, there are times where I will go and earn an income and there are times where I will play with my children and there are times where I will, will you know, cook and there are times where I'll do these things. But I think if we get too black and white about it, then it, it, yeah, that resentment that you talk about kicks in a lot. Yeah, you we, we operate, the, the motivation is that I have to, I have to do mm. this instead of I want to. So you lose the passion and it becomes a chore. They're two, two very different types of motivation. Yeah, one of the things I think, especially with this topic we're discussing today of kind of coming out of lockdown and, and that kind of thing and, and reintegrating and re-engaging with life is you said something really interesting there about you know how it's being in survival mode and mm. and so so many human beings are in survival mode on a day-to-day -day basis but this last you know 20 months or however bloody long it's been now humans have been put even more into that survival mode because you know i don't want to get into a broader discussion here but fear has been thrown at us like never before um, totally. and so the more you know fear that we are in as a whole the more we are going to be in that survival mode so I think uh, when it comes to reintegrating with society, a lot of people are still really in that that fear well, state the, and that the, survival that, that mode. FOMO, that FOMO kicks in now. It's like oh, all of a sudden our liberties have been returned, uh, and you know the definition of happiness is to be content. But then, then all of a sudden, there's so many things that we are now able to do. People are in discontentedness because they're like, oh, but what if I can't do this and I can't do this? So they're saying yes to everything out of fear of missing out. Or it's been like a dam and it's been building up and mm. building up and building up and now sort of they're releasing the dam and everyone's just really trying to just flood out of it where those with the EQ are really, are really mindful of that. They're practicing self-management strategies, not coping mechanisms, but self-management strategies to to really ease their way back into it. Yeah, I um the a couple of weeks ago um when the like there was the when the the shops opened back up and I, I don't pay attention to the date so I don't know. And um but I saw things were open and I went with Tommy and I'm like, "Oh, Tommy needed new shoes." And I'm like, "I'm going to go and get him some new shoes." And you talk about those floodgates opening. I went to the local shopping center here and I'm like, holy shit and i looked on my phone and it was the, the night before is when things were allowed to be opened up and um i went to go to the there was a local kmart no shit it was like i was back in my early 20s at a nightclub the line to get into kmart was like 100 meters it was outside the shopping center i'm like oh, i can't go there i went to go to like a independent shoe shop and there was a sign out the front saying you can't come in appointments only get to like make book a book at a shoe shop appointment online. He goes, yeah, we're booked out for like a week. <laughs> I don't know, bloody hell. So we end up um, going to best and less. And I'm like, oh, finally, there's not much of a line here. I'll get in and we got him some shoes. I'm like, oh, we got him some shoes. And I looked up and the line to pay was like winding through the whole shop. And I'm like, oh my Lord. And I've noticed that with some people as well. Um, you know, whether it's uh, gyms or people who work in, in hospitality food that are saying like everything's just bananas at the minute. Because like you said, that damn wall has broken and the, and the floodgates have opened right up. And, and, but in that you can, you, it paints a, a, a mental image for me, just being highly visual, uh, that it's just, you know, bodies are just tumbling out of, out of the dam, out of the, the, 
you know, it's just everyone's tumbling out and there's no control. There's no discipline. Mm. There's, there's no structure to it. And, and people are all expecting to be happy and expecting this. And, but how they are out of lockdown is exactly the same how they were in lockdown. It's still fear generated. It's, it's still, it's, it's still coming from an unbalanced place within themselves. Yeah. Reminds me of this, um, there was this Zen tale. I'm probably going to butcher it, but I'll get the main elements of it right. <laughs> I'm so ready for this. No, don't, don't build it Dan, up. Dan's going Dan's to listen to this. And Dan's going to email him. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a bloody, a, a big long email. <laughs> Dear Ryan, this is how it should have gone. I'll get the elements <laughs> right. But there was a, a, a local um, town or local village and there was the Zen kind of spiritual teacher and he was looked up to you know, by all the people and they would come and hear him talk. But his, his energy was kind of whenever someone would say, oh, you're so great. You know, we're so lucky to have you go, maybe, and just continue doing what he was doing. And then one day, one of the local girls, she was only 16 years old or something, and, and she got pregnant and um, had to tell her parents and she was so incredibly scared. And it was this local boyfriend who they didn't like. And so they said, oh, who got you pregnant? And she said, oh, it was the, you know, the spiritual teacher just lying out of fear. And so they went to him and berated him. How dare you get her pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, maybe. No, and they so, went and- so, so be it, not maybe. So yeah, you probably know this better than me. And so the, the girl has the baby. Uh, you know, nine months later or whatever. And the parents were like, you know, she's too young to be looking after a child, take it to the father. And they went and dropped it on the doorstep of, of this teacher and said, you got her pregnant, you did this, you're going to look after the, the child. And he said, so be it. And so he looked after the child and just played with it, you know, did, did what he needed to do to raise it and everything. Finally, uh, I don't know if it was months or years later, I'm going to say a year later, the, the, the girl finally fessed up to the parents and said, look, no, it was my boyfriend who got me pregnant. I lied. I was so scared. Um, you know, it was Danny down the road. And so they went back to the <laughs> Danny. It's a real Zen name, isn't it? <laughs> Dan, Dan, Danny Zuko from Greece down the road. And, um, and so they went back to the, 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 this spiritual guru and they just took, they said, look, we just, we learned the truth. This isn't your child and we're going to take it back and it's going to live with our daughter and the, and the father. And he said, so be it. And I think that energy that, you know, this is an extreme example and it's obviously a Zen tale, but what you're saying is there's no, there's no chaos based on external circumstances. There's no, there's no real nose to life's what life's presenting in front of a person like that in that moment. They just take what's in front of them and they make the best of it. And they know that there's another saying as well. It's like, you're never as good as people say, you're never as bad as people you say. And like, this is this real equanimity and balance that I think we can find as, as human beings. And, and what you're describing is the opposite where people are going, you know, I've been held back and I'm in fear and now I'm allowed out and I'm going to spread myself. I'm never going to go back home for days. And it's this, you know, these going from one pole is one poles to the other, these extremes, as opposed to having that peace and equanimity within ourselves. You did a wonderful job of the tale. Well done. Thank you. Um, and just to add to that, if I may dare, um, I'm not the, sure what you could add, but go for it. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's going to be. I brought in Danny Zuko. Look, I don't, I've made it much better. You've set the bar very high, and I'm not going to reach it. Um, the, the purpose of that tale is to demonstrate the, the Buddhist philosophy that the source of all suffering is attachment. 
And so what the spiritual teacher, the Zen teacher is doing in that space is he's practicing non-attachment, which when we are attached, the suffering all we experience is anger or, or anxiety, which is fear. And, or, you know, we feel very sad or we feel guilty, um, suffering emotional distress of some sort, uh, not a state of equanimity, which is that calm and composure. And so if it comes, let it come. If it goes, let it go. If it stays, let it stay is, is the short version of that story. And, and you can hear within that the 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 absence of attachment and and so in that everything's perfect everything just everything just is and and but but the human ego desires so much you know we've spoken about it a lot how insatiable it is and how attached it gets to things being a certain way you know the dalai lama said suffering occurs when you try and make permanent that which is not permanent well, everything's impermanent. That's the law of nature. Um, but humans, the ego, doesn't like living within the law of nature. So we're constantly creating these attachments, which is constantly creating this unsettledness within us, this unsatisfactory feeling. I don't have enough. I, I, I haven't done enough. I, I, I need to do more. We get very needy. Mm. Um, and and so it's very difficult to, to be balanced and calm and composed and deliberate and intentional and disciplined and all these all these things that we need to do to, to operate uh, and function optimally and, and to feel a deep sense of, of peace within ourselves. It's very difficult to experience that sense of peace when you're frantic and you're, you're just stumbling and tumbling and everyone's running over each other and there's no sense of we're all just walking each other home. There's get the fuck out of my way. You know, that human race is on and it's a, it's a race to get pissed as much as we can now that we can again, or it's a race to, to buy as much as we can. Um, and, and that's coming from a hot people aren't present people are in a heightened state and, and they're, they're causing a lot of harm to themselves without realizing it yeah well it's very hard to be present in the middle of a race isn't it because like you have a defined destination that you're sprinting towards it's like usain bolt halfway down the 100 meters isn't like let me just take this in for a minute although he probably could he's pretty quick he does he does <laughs> have you have you seen at the, the end at the end he, he looks around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But there's this this defined goal that they're they're sprinting towards, and and that's how people feel a lot of their lives, I think. But we can we we still need to to you know a hundred meter race. There's still going to be a start and an end. We we need a point A and a point B. But we we don't need the attachments to getting there first or having more when we get there. Or you know, the, the, it becomes very ego. It's I have yeah. this. I've got this. There's not a collectiveness about it. Yeah, the yeah, I think the issue that humans have is that this this race, the the finish line isn't what they think it's going to be. So it's like I'm racing towards. I need to get that amount of money, that house, that job, that promotion. I need this beautiful wife. And blah, blah, then blah. I will be happy. Yeah, but they think, but they get. It's like they get to the finish line and they realize, oh, this this feels just like the start line. <laughs> I need another finish line. And so we're and so we're racing, and there's this constant race, and then. This is why, you know, we've done a podcast on the five regrets of the dying. I think a lot of it has to do with this because people come towards the end of their life and they're like, fuck, I missed it. (laughs) There's a a George Carlin quote. It says, trying to be happy by accumulating possessions is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches all over your body. Yeah. Uh, And this this comes back to that. 
equanimity is a state our minds create within ourselves and and it's a it's a sense of calmness and composure and peace and and acceptance and there's no right or wrong there's no good or bad everything is just perfect and within that perfection crappy things happen and wonderful things happen but there's, there's no polarity it's just the totality yeah. of it all but that's but, that's uh, the zen that that's zen tail because the, the human ego would say well when I'm the, the spiritual teacher and the guru and everybody loves me and lavishes praise on me, that's great. And I want more of that. When I've now been ostracized by society because I've been accused of getting a young girl pregnant, which I didn't do. And now I've got a baby on my doorstep. That's fucked. That's bad. This needs to stop. Whereas both of those, he just says, so be it. And that's hard for a, so hard for a human ego to go oh yeah that makes sense if, if only there was somewhere where you had to train your mind to, to do that and to be like that like just to get your mind fit i, I don't know any, anything any, like that but i encourage any anyone out there if who wants to start something that hasn't been made yeah, before yeah i like it yeah hang on hang on so <laughs> you're telling me <laughs> You're telling me there's a place that exists that you can go to learn uh, to to train your mind to to let go of it. And and and, and in that, so if the if the Zen Zen monk was a, was a person who hadn't done any training, yeah, and and he the the people turned up to him. Let's let's go into the Zen monk's name is Barry now, right? So Barry Barry's just sitting in his house, mind, minding his own business, and Debbie from up the road. And her family come up and say, "Oh, you, you got me preggers, you got me duffed." Um, and, and the kids they from the a kids, country town in Victoria now, are they? <laughs> Druin, they're from. <laughs> Shout out to listeners in Druin, <laughs> and um, and and the right, so the baby's yours. If Baz if Baz hadn't done the training, he would have got triggered. His attachment to those three amigos must be loved and liked must my life must be perfect i must get what i want they would have been triggered the ego would have got involved it would have created a sense of shame or embarrassment or anger he would have gone into suffering he would have gone into destructive thinking he would have gone into conflict there would have been would have tried to fight fire with fire so on and so forth it would have ended up very messy with a lot of unnecessary suffering in there but you know Thankfully, Barry had done the work and um, been out to the Vipassana meditation retreat in Wurrielic and, and and done some learning and then and took that learning and applied it into his life on a daily basis. And, and so when it came, he was like, oh, so be it. And, and, and this is perfect. And when the child leaves, well, that's perfect too because so much is out of our control. You know, Victor Frankl said, whatever, we can only choose how we feel in any given situation. That's all we can control. So I love the other Victor Frankl quote, though. When a person can't find a deep sense of meaning, they distract themselves with pleasure. Ooh. That feels quite true. Mm, that that hits home. That lands, doesn't it? It certainly does. That lands. So all these people that are rushing off to find pleasure means they haven't, had a deep a deep sense of meaning what was the purpose in their life it's just they're existing they're just in survival mode they're not designing their life or constructing a life that that is giving feeding their soul or filling their cup or whatever yeah we had um we had young uh tommy's birthday on the weekend and um 
I really found myself because you think one of the things that these lockdowns, you know, have taken away is that person to person connection, hmm. you know, and I'd caught up with a few friends here and there, but we, you know, we had a group and there was maybe 30 of us here on Sunday. And I just remember I multiple times throughout the day, it's like I would go to talk to one person to another because I haven't seen them, but I just kind of stop and just kind of look around and I kind of see everyone talking to each other, eating some food, having a good time. And it was, it was just real gratitude. Like I was getting teary a few times throughout the day because it's like, wow, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's not like, well, yeah, when are we doing this again? And what's happening tomorrow? It's just like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I've really. But you were present. You were in the moment. Yeah. And that was that was you living a meditative life. That was you just being in that space between stimulus and response and just observing things yeah. and, and feeling that sense of gratitude for what is not yeah, yeah, and, you, and you, the mind didn't go racing into an attachment. We've got to do this again. I need more of this. It was, it was, there was a, a deep yeah. satisfaction. What are we all doing next weekend? Everyone's coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the saying, you know, it's like the the attachment when um, you you know you go to a, a restaurant and have an amazing experience, and you maybe go with your wife or something, and you know it's just a wonderful evening, and then you're so attached, so you tell all your friends about it. We're going to go there next weekend. Oh, you guys are going to have the best time. Blah blah blah, and you go and slightly different staff. You know, the chef's a little bit different. The chef's going to change. Yeah, it's, yeah. And so all of a sudden, you, you feel like really let down because you had this expectation that it had to be an amazing experience again. It's like you know, the, that's another. I think it's a Buddhist teaching as well. It's like we have these negative imprints. So it's like, you know, I might see a rattlesnake and then it leaves an imprint. And then from then on, if I see a bit of rope or a stick, I'm like, ah, oh, rattlesnake. But then we have these positive ones as well, which are just so important to understand. It's if I go to the field and a beautiful butterfly lands on my hand, I'm like, wow. Every time I go back to that field, I'll be disappointed if the butterfly doesn't land on my hand. So <laughs> this is what we're talking about, attachment. Suffering occurs when you don't get what you do want and you do get what you don't want. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's a, But it's a beautiful example of you cultivating within yourself this sense of contentedness, which is the definition of happiness. Again, it's, you were content in that moment. You didn't need more. You didn't need to, to plan for next week. You, you had enough in that moment. It was enough for you. So the ego, Ryan's ego wasn't at his son's birthday party. Ryan's soul was there, if you want. And, and it was just, it was content. It was, it was yeah, a beautiful moment. I had, a, I had a similar thing. I think I told you about it when I, I did that corporate training up in Swan Hill the other week and, and did two back-to-back three-and-a-half-hour workshops and I was fucking drained at the end of it. I felt like I'd run a marathon, you know, holding, the room, holding the room for seven hours. Uh, uh, but I was, I was such a – I wasn't a drained energy. It was, a, it was just a used energy. I'd used my energy. It was like, you, you know, you'd just done a workout or something. Um and and I really observed this this part of me internally that, that that was very mindful of not forming an attachment to had to doing more of that. It didn't go right. I've got to go and advertise. I've got to get into a database. I've got to email all these corporations and try and do more of this. It was just this deep sense of gratefulness for for what I'd experienced with those people in that room on that day, and that was it. So I, I stayed present. I didn't rush off the next week or the week, and then. <laughs> Uh, I know you'll find this funny, but um, because I didn't form that attachment, an email pops up in my inbox last week. Hi, 
well, we heard about some corporate training. Can you send us some information on what that looks like? And, and I was like, oh, how interesting. So be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like I've found that as well. It's like because my my journey as well is one of whenever something let let's say good happens in my path, just it creates more of like a manic energy, you know. Mm. That's like yeah, yeah, more, more, more. And I found you know since my metanoia these last few years, some of the you know best moments have been this. It just hasn't been manic at all. It's been this just very calm. I had one example. I um uh got asked to go on the radio. Fuck, must have been three three and a half years ago. Um, on Fox, and I didn't listen to the radio, but it was like Fox FM, you know, morning drive at eight o'clock. So like really, you know, who knows, hundreds of thousands of people listening and that kind of thing. And I was a, bit, a little bit nervous while I was waiting, you know, in the waiting room to go on. And um, it was really beautiful experience. I just spoke from the heart and all that I kind of learned and all this work I'd done on myself just came out really naturally. And, you know, they're talking about addiction and, and that kind of thing. And I kind of finished and the, and the hosts were like, oh, God, that was that was so good that I got so much. They were there. After it went off, they were talking to me about their relatives that were struggling mm. with addiction. What do we do here? What do we do there? And all that kind of thing. And then um, I remember going back into the underground car park and I had my phone off and I just didn't turn my phone back on. And I, I just sat in my car and it was like this, you know, a little tear and it was just a very calm energy kind of thing. I didn't put the phone back on and sort of just drove back to the office and I'm um, sat in there, and then yeah, the girls at the office are like, "The phone fucking has to stop ringing." I'm like, <laughs> "So be it." So be it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But in the past, when that ego is involved, it's like, "Yeah, took phone back on." Oh, did everyone listen? Blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's discerning because for me, that, that that's your I, that's your e, that's your EQ in in play there. Though. That's that's your self awareness and self management. You're you're mindfully managing yourself, and even though some parts of you in the past would have gone rushing back into the ego and, and how much was I loved and liked. Uh, it didn't, you just, you really mindfully sat in that space and just, just allowed those. No, because when we're in fight, flight, and rushing, the cortisone and adrenaline, our feelings are just chemicals. So they, those chemicals are racing through our system. But, um, you know, a sense of contentedness is a chemical too. And, and you let that chemical in and you let that chemical do its job. And, you didn't force it out or you didn't hold on to it. It just it, it came and it did its job. And, it but that, and th- that was the thing for me. I think a lot of people, you know, that I've worked with, a lot of people struggle with this is until I, you know, had my big moment where I turned my life around, that was the first moment that I could remember that I... <laughs> I'm imagining you with the steering wheel. Yeah, turn this bad boy around. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> this thing's going off the tracks. <laughs> that was like those old bus truck ones are slowly turning. It's like, it's, like, it's like you're on a yacht and you're spinning yeah. the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> About to hit an iceberg quickly. Iceberg, how, how apt is that? <laughs> oh, funny. Um. And what happened with me? It was an ice joke for the listeners. It was was a methamphetamine joke. Methamphetamine for those overseas. Um, So the the feeling of peace was so incredibly foreign to me that I couldn't remember ever having felt it. Mm. And so what happened, because I was so unfamiliar with that feeling, the first time that I felt it, because that that manic energy, that yes, 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 more, 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 that was my most desired state. I thought that was the the best state that we could strive to have. Hence, the drugs, the alcohol, the women, the risky experiences, all of that kind of stuff is trying to chase that. And so that moment when I felt that 
deep sense of inner peace, I was like, that, that was when I knew I never need to use drugs again. Cause I went, mm. oh my God, all of that I was trying but, to chase over here. This is what I was actually looking for. I was just looking in the wrong place. And, and so when you get anxious, then you get anxious about being anxious or you get angry at being angry. It compounds and compounds and compounds. The suffering will compound. But the contentedness on the other hand compounds too. So when you feel that sense of that deep sense of gratitude or that peace, all of a sudden it creates an even deeper sense of peace because you're like, oh, I'm at peace. Oh, and then, oh, I'm still at peace. Oh, and all of a sudden, it's just, it, it cultivates, you know, yeah. and it, it, it's, it's beautiful. And that's why it's so important that we really, we really build that strong foundation and that ground of that peace and that contentedness, because then when we have a really strong base, it's kind of like the undercurrent that, that's playing the whole time. And then up here on the surface, yes, we're going to have anger, fear and sadness and overwhelm and all this kind of stuff. But if we have this strong foundation of peace, then it's like, we can swim in those waters without drowning in those waters. That's when people get overwhelmed. They drown in a lot of these emotions. Well, a lot of the time people drown because they expect, you know, I did a beautiful meditation with a client the other day about the ocean and it was just a metaphor and the ocean ebbs and flows and you sit, you sit on the, on the sand and the tide comes in. So be it. The tide goes out. So be it. You can't control it. It's just, it's, it's like that one wave comes up. That one needs to stay. Stay on the beach. <laughs> it's like taking, it's like, you know, meditating and just observing the breath. You know, you, you don't live in fear of the next breath not coming. You live in that deep sense of trust that will continue to breathe. Yeah. Imagine holding onto the breath. <gasps> breath has arrived. Oh God, a breath arrived. <gasps> Hold on to that. Yeah, I like this one. And then you're going to get what you don't want, which is death, because you're holding onto the breath. And you'll so start you sounding like Kermit the Frog, like you did then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kermit the Frog. Uh, I had a, 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 I'm inviting a client on to the podcast soon because she, an amazing experience happened with her, and, and I'm not going to give the story away. Um, but it was, it was, it reminded me of your story when you you stopped chasing that girl in school and then you said oh, i'm gonna and then she came and asked you the, out on a date. the energetic shift yeah yeah, yeah. and so there was a, and a really profound example of that for her but what you did with the um going to the the radio station that interview i had a, a client do a very similar thing and and she managed herself so brilliantly and and she she felt she sat in the car about to go in for a job interview and she she felt the anxiety and the, the suffering the cortisol the adrenaline dopamine all sort of firing her up and 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 she she realized you know mindfully observed that she was going into fight flight and then she said to herself nothing in there is trying to kill you yeah and and, and i think i spoke about this before and and so instantly she put herself back into the reality of what is reality is woman's going to speak to three other humans no one in there is trying to kill me um and she focused on her breath went in there and had the most amazing job interview and she said i remembered everyone's name she was present and that, that's yeah. all it came down to and you were present you weren't any critical analytical thinking, your, your reticular activating system wasn't going off and, and you were just very present and in that space and it just came, what needed to come out, came out. Yeah. Can you tell Dave and Polly to stop flapping their tail for a minute? <laughs> Paul, can you please stop scratching? The listeners don't want to hear you. Tump, 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 tump. 
Oh, but guys. Oh, God, she's pretty cute, though. God's sake. Okay, you're forgiven. Then... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't, what do you, I'd love your thoughts on forgiveness. Oh, wait, 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 before we jump into forgiveness, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've spoken about this in the podcast before, but I'll just say it real quickly. That interview, I don't know if I've spoken about it, but anyway, that, that interview that I was talking about on the radio, so I had that, I was sitting kind of in the waiting room and like, it was like a big studio and I kind of realized that I'm like, oh, I think it's a pretty like serious deal here. And so I started having that, those anxiety, heart started beating and then the mind as a result starts kicking up, you know, you're going to say the wrong thing. You'll swear by accident. You, you won't be able to find your words. And then one of them was, because I looked at the, the stool in there and my mind goes, oh, you might fall off the chair. And in that moment, I it broke the whole pattern because I pissed myself. I'm like, when was the last time you just randomly fell off a chair? <laughs> <laughs> And right, I just, uh, so here, here we have Ryan from the Center for Healing. Oh, Ryan, Ryan, here Ryan, we go. Ryan, sorry, Ryan's somehow fallen off a chair. <laughs> so it broke the whole pattern because I literally just was giggling to myself at the mind, trying to justify the anxiety by saying, because as I said, nothing in there is going to hurt me. So it's like, but what if you fall off the chair? Rightio, mate. And, and people don't realise that we are powerful. We do manifest. So if you're focused on on what you don't want, so often you're going to attract and bring into your life. That's, what that's, it that's a, it's a great point. I actually was listening to, um, I think it was Peter Crone. I follow on Instagram. I really like his work. And um, he was talking that someone had a question about, you know, it's coming up to the holiday season and, you know, some people have these strained relationships with extended family and that kind of thing or immediate family. And um, they're like, oh, how do we deal with that? And it's like, well, if you have anxiety about going to this, say, Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving or whatever it is, then you are projecting into the future some idea of what's going to happen that produces anxiety. And maybe it's this, you know, this argument that's going to happen. Maybe it's this, you know, disagreement you're going to have or bring up something from years ago. So you're coming in to that uh, gathering with that energy, which oftentimes can exacerbate the problem. You're adding fuel to a fire there. So if you come you, in with You're this subconsciously programming yourself to do that. So the first sign of trouble you're going to leap in and create that conflict exactly and and people can pick up on this stuff even before words are said because there's like this the tension in the air so i said look if you just go in there with the belief that hey whatever happens is going to be fine i'm not going to engage if people start arguing i'm going to go and get myself another bit of turkey and relax then all of a sudden you come in you can you come in oh yeah i love turkey um you're going to come in to that you're going to open the door and come in with a completely different energy and, and less tension and that's what you can control at the end of the day so all you can control is how you feel what about forgiveness situation. what do you what do you want to talk about here well forgiveness is an interesting one for me in that you know you just said to them probably oh you're cute so you're forgiven and i know that was just a mindless sort of flippant go thing. on go on what have i said here nick come on pull it apart no, nothing no no it's just i'd like to learn your thoughts on on forgiveness and whether forgiveness is necessary because if you forgive someone that that brings into the discussion a sense of right and wrong a sense of good and bad it's, it's a binary you know, did the, the Zen monk need to forgive the parents for yelling at him? And, and oh, no, he just went into acceptance and, and without the attachment. So I think forgiveness only for me, forgiveness comes into play when there's an attachment. Whereas yeah. I believe you must do. I've got these parameters of acceptance. And if you do something outside of those parameters, then you know, I will need to forgive you because you did something wrong. It creates that 
distorted thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so here are my thoughts on that. That well, I, ne- I, I didn't. I didn't need to forgive my dad for my childhood because I accepted. I went to empathy and compassion, and and, and I I understood. I went into a, a sense of understanding, not forgiveness. How are you separating acceptance and forgiveness in that situation? Because forgiveness, I didn't need to say any. I forgive you. There was no sense of I'm going to heal by. Um, by letting go and there's the attachment you, if you need to let go there's been an attachment in the yeah. first place so yeah. i didn't have the attachment so i didn't need to let go of anything to then forgive him i just went seamlessly into this sense of compassion and empathy and understanding for him yep yep so that was you that was a i suppose you'd call quite an advanced framework that you were coming into that with uh, most people would have an attachment to something happening because like you said, when something happened that shouldn't have or should have happened that didn't, we'll, we'll generally create an attachment. So that, one, that should should is still a distortion. Who decides what should and shouldn't happen? This is where the, the yeah. polarity and the binary thinking comes into play. So things happen, so be it. Yeah. So one thing that I see an issue with forgiveness is that people will cognitively forgive someone from their past and but they deep down so that that, that, what they do is they bypass blame Mm. which isn't a good thing either that's a distortion blame distortion yeah but this is but this is we're talking about 99.9 percent of humans running cognitive distortions here so what one thing that i see is yeah people um need to give a bit of a voice to blame if that's what they're holding deep within their system. And then they can, once again, they can either forgive or like you said, they can move past forgiveness where it's not even, like you said, that's kind of letting go of this right or wrong duality thing, which is actually a really healthy place to be. But I see a lot of people because they forgiveness is like a fancy thing. It's like, once you forgive, you heal. But I know Mm. so many people who are like, but I know, and you know, dad was coming from his trauma and he was acting out those patterns with his parents. And because I understand that I forgive him, Deep down, there's this hatred. <laughs> and what they're doing, well, they, so, they, so, they don't want to feel the anger because it's too confronting. So they bypass it with this, you know, yeah, I forgive him. That's lovely. But the 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 28-year-old version of them that's speaking um, intellectually has, has conceptualized this framework of forgiveness or this model of forgiveness. And so they're... On an intellectual level, they're doing that, but on an emotional level, there's still a 12-year-old version of them who had that experience, who is still yeah. holding on to this sense of... It Who's fucking happen. angry. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so I'll, the, I'll, adult, I'll, the adult version of them is like, yeah, I forgive that. The, the, the inner child is still going, fuck you. Yeah, it's like, I forgive him. It's all good. And then you swap the little inner child away and go, yeah, you, you'll be right. And so, yeah, one of the things that I do is really, you know, I'm like, hey, if, if we've got this cognitive distortion going on, if we're, if we've got this deep-seated blame and that let's just give it a voice i don't want to stay there but we need to actually acknowledge that it's there because most people like i said they just you know they want to yeah i've forgiven him it's all good and then you can just i can just see this like clenched fists underneath and that's one of the reasons is because um you know as a society we see anger as such a you know an ugly emotion which it's not so people push it down especially women well, it is suffering, but it, it's necessary. It's it's and it's un, unnecessary. It depends on the circumstance. Um, but you said before it was, it was quite an advanced model or something. Yeah. And I, I just 
after listening to that, I realized what I do with clients is, is you can't just take them from point A to point Z. You've got to take them through the steps. Yeah. So when we're doing work with an inner child or something, we need to teach people first to let go. Now, the, the four the four noble truths in Buddhism, to live is to suffer, yeah, to we, we get angry, we whatever. There is a cause of suffering, that is attachment. There is a, an end of suffering, and that is letting go. So we're going to teach people to start letting go. And then the way out of suffering, the fourth noble truth, is is the Eightfold Path. And that's where we go into compassion and empathy and blah, 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 blah. But before you can do that, you, we have to train the ego to not get involved. And we're going to, we're going to start that, that, that whole work starts around surrendering. You know, it's so many people struggle to surrender, but it takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on. Absolutely. And people just... People don't have that strength, man. They're, they're holding on out of fear and out of anxiety and out of, uh, and they think, no, I'm in control. Uh, I've got this. I'm like, all right, we'll, 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 we'll come over here. No, no, I don't want to. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't need to. There's no reason for me to. I know. I'm, ha- I'm happy over no, here. No. <laughs> I'm totally happy over here. Huh. Uh, or, or is it just because you're holding on out of fear and you can't let go? No, no, it's bullshit. Fuck you. So. Letting go, surrendering, accepting, and, and all of that then negates the need for forgiveness. So what I was what I was exploring with you is is the concept of forgiveness. I, I think it, it happens on an emotionally immature level, and we can yeah. evolve. We can evolve into a being that that goes beyond forgiveness. Yeah. So we we always struggle when we're kind of using words, I guess. But like for me. <laughs> I think, <laughs> which is hard on a podcast not to do that. I'd love to do interpretive dance, but it's just not going to work out. But, I'd love to see you do interpretive so, dance. So I'll gladly do that for you, Nick. We'll organize the time. I'll do. I'll, I'll play out your life story through interpretive dance. Um, I wear a leotard. Oh, my God. <laughs> what kind of party this is turning into, but it's all right. Um. <laughs> what kind of class they're running in MindFit today? <laughs> Ryan dancing around a hundred kilo man dancing around a g-string leotard. Um, Nick's just watching, just crying because it's so it's so beautiful. It looks like a condom filled with walnuts. <laughs> Is that Ryan or a condom filled? Condom filled with walnuts. I've never been called that before, but I look forward to that day. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, the fuck was I saying? Yeah, yeah. So with words, so when, when I say forgiveness, I think I am talking about the state that you're talking about when you're saying it's not forgiveness. It's just like nothing, nothing needs to be forgiven, you know, that kind of thing. It's a real that's, just... That, that, that's, that's when you're in a state of love. You are just love. Yeah, and you are compa- so that's the Buddha nature that I talk about. You know, our three levels of our three natures: the personality, the ego, and then the Buddha nature. And the Buddha nature doesn't need to forgive. The Buddha nature just loves. Yes, but you you think people are are saying using the word forgiveness as a form of love? Um, I think I think people are they're using forgiveness as like, Oh, I know if I, if I just forgive this person and say that and I'll write it on a bit of paper, then I'll be okay. And that's, that's, it's like, you're saying, it's like, you're talking about categorizing for I've taken them from the blame category to the forgiveness category. Now everything's okay. But the whole idea of category is actually 
not of mm. great benefit there. It's like and um, they're doing it more for themselves than for anything else. It's still the ego. It's still the me, my, I. It's I am going to forgive you. It's, it's yeah. It's yeah. But what it's I like to do with clients is that I still, even though it's the ego, I still want to not have them bypass that blame. Like I, I really want to give that a voice and then start to move them through it and get past all of it. Because normally that blame is, you know, it's pushed down there and they don't want to touch it. Well, that's, yeah, for me, that's that, that they're giving the blame a voice. For me, that's, that's letting go. It's teaching them to put it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's okay. okay let, let, let the ego talk, let that 12 year old talk or whoever it was. Um, but yeah, but then we're going to, we're going to put it to so, like, which ones because what happens that that blame it's kind of it's just it's underneath everything and it's sort of bubbling away and even if it's not in conscious awareness it's affecting our relationships it's affecting our interactions with other people and the way we interact with ourselves well we, we talk about you know the fifth fundamental is our operating systems that's that's beliefs create thoughts thoughts create feelings feelings create behavior and the belief that i must be loved and liked creates a parameter and if something happens outside of that parameter you know we're giving the key to our happiness to somebody else whatever you say or do is going to dictate how i feel and so when they do something outside that parameter well it's you hurt me and and that's not the truth it's just that it's the, the the construct of that experience and so you you hurt me you are the source of my unhappiness now i'm going to project my unhappiness onto who i believe is the source of that so that would be you so that's where that the blaming is the thinking, which is going to create the feeling of anger or resentment or anxiety or depression or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so, if you get, once again, but if you got to come back to that that underlying belief, which is I must be loved and liked, and, and I do I do a, a meditation with clients, as, and and we say, oh, that twelve year old you, just that that inner child, it gets to have a remote control or a magic wand. Which one? Which one? And Nine times out of ten, it's, I want the control. I want the, oh, you want the control. I, they didn't feel in control of that experience in that moment. All right. And what do you need to do? Do you need to forgive or can you do, can you just, uh, you know, push those parameters out? It's what can you do, not what do you need them to do in order for you to be happy again? And it's very difficult work. It's very, mm. it's, it's, it's sort of surgery almost. It um, is. It's psychic surgery. Especially um, when, there, when there's you know, sexual abuse or mm-hmm. domestic violence at an early age, when that, that child is so vulnerable, it's which it's is which is so delicate. much it's so much more common than people think as well. Like a lot of people, oh my goodness, you know, us as therapists doing this work, we know how prevalent it is. But a lot of people are like, oh, that must happen in a tiny, tiny percentage of humans. But the amount, especially the amount of women that have been sexually abused, is is baffling. Um, and, and so just one thing, so with, with what, what I'm doing, it's like all of this has an undercurrent and, and a deep seated belief that this something happened that shouldn't have, and that's creating a lot of distress in the system. And so it's like, we need to actually acknowledge that this thing happened and, and it's and not like thinking whether it should or it shouldn't. Yeah. So it's not it like happens. agreeing that it should have happened, but it's also not resisting that it did and it's sort of bring those two together. So what I find with people is I'll, I'm, cause I do a lot of work sort of in the body. I'm like sensations, emotions, what's happening in the body. And I'll get to one. There's one example, which is a good one, which is the, uh, a father. And um, we start going into it and she's like picturing her father, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was. 
And she's saying, yeah, but no, I've already, I worked on this years ago. I've done forgiveness. I've forgiven him, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, as you're looking at him right now, what's happening in your body? And she's like, I fucking hate him. I'm like, I haven't forgiven him, man. <laughs> you've cognitively, you've done a little exercise and you've, and you've put it in the back well, of your mind. She, she's created a sub-belief that she forgives him, which is creating yeah. a reality for her. But the underlying yeah, so there's a belief. So there's a split. There's a split in her. It's like, no, I've forgiven him. The other part's like, I fucking hate him. So which, it's like we're bringing those two together is the key. Yeah, and that's going to create inner conflict. Having, having that, time. That, that, that diversity within you is, is going to create conflict, which is going to create a lack of peace. And, oh, I love, I love our job. It's so interesting, isn't it? <sighs> it is. It so is. Yeah. People are like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, it's pretty bloody interesting, to be honest. Like... I used to get bored. I used to get bored as hell fixing air conditioners. Like I'm like, ah, I'm gonna do this again. It was the same shit over and over again. Oh, yeah, this is- pulling pulling beers was fun because you got to have a chat. But yeah, there was no, I wasn't getting much out of it on a deeper level. So yeah, yeah. The humans are interesting. Mm. We're beautiful, special creatures, and we need to treat ourselves and each other accordingly. So yeah, we do. We do. Be kind. To yourself and others. To me, oh, I, I was talking to a client the other day, but when you change your relationship yourself, you change your relationship with everything. Mm-hmm. And, and and so many people are just self-harming, but emotionally. They're putting themselves down, beating themselves up, really kicking themselves around and then expecting to feel good or expecting to not be drinking so much or eating so much or gambling so much or or whatever, or to be in healthy relationships. But the state of a relationship is done by the, the health of the two individuals co-creating it. So if you're not healthy emotionally, if you're beating yourself up, you know, that's what you're taking into a relationship. So everything starts at home. That might be a, a good topic for a podcast is the relationship piece because I'm sure you see it a lot. It's like, let's say one person in the relationship starts doing a lot of this deeper work on themselves and that can create an, an imbalance in the relationship. That's a, that's an interesting topic. I'd love to because yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty juicy actually. It's so juicy. Um, it's like, it's like Ryan in doing interpretive dance in a later. The, 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 the juicy walnut, they call me. Mm. They, they call me. <laughs> people <laughs> I walk down the street hey juicy walnut i'm like who the fuck are you g'day uh, well, now i'm just now i'm picturing you near the end of the interpretive dance you're dancing to buddalicious this butt is too buddalicious shaking me. my walnuts mm. that's just because it'll be so emotional the interpretive dance of your life that i do bootylicious at the end just to raise the vibe in the room no buddalicious oh but- <laughs> Was that the shirt? Was that what we came up with with Dan? Was that the, yeah, the shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was it a thing already? Did you look it up? Yeah, remember I sent you a photo. It's a restaurant somewhere, I think. It's a burger <laughs> joint. <laughs> was it in Melbourne? I'd go. No, I don't know where. I think it was in the States. Let's see if we can get a franchise. Totally. Imagine that at the back of MindFit, the Buddhalicious Cafe. <laughs> can I have a Zen burger with the lot? And and you would give them the wrong burger on purpose to see if they go, (laughs) so be it. Can I get a Zen burger with nothing, please? With a side of equanimity and peace? (laughs) (laughs) 
I think we're onto something. I think we're onto something. Yes. Well, yeah, we're onto something. I don't know if it's any good. Uh, yeah. onto You're on something, or we're onto something. Who knows? Who knows? High on life, man. I'm high on coffee and life. Yay! All right, everyone. Let's uh, let's wrap that up. Um, we're going to talk about overwhelm. We didn't really do that. What did we talk well, about? We kind of did. It's just managing yourself. It's just, it's just staying present and mindful. It's it's it's, it's deliberate, intentional, conscious present it's you don't have to just be careful of your motivation it'll come in two forms productivity or vitality based productivity is i have to and it becomes a chore vitality basis i want to and it's a passion and they both produce very different returns on that investment so you don't have to do it all remember to happiness is to be content you're allowed to say no to people you it's not all going to disappear you know don't you don't have to live in fear of never seeing anyone again if you if you decide to say no it's just it's, it's really stop and evaluate what's important to me right now what's what's my priorities the first one what, is, what needs what do i need to prioritize yeah. i'm feeling a bit out of whack i need to prioritize myself and i'm going to stay home and read a book that's the it's, it's uh, a client really really launched into this new way of living when she came onto this just because you can that doesn't mean you should mm. uh, i said that to her in one session i said just because you can attend everything it doesn't mean you should just because you can drive through a bottle shop it doesn't mean you should just because you can do all these things you don't have to so it's what do i need not what do i want or what does the ego want what does yeah. my soul need not not what does the ego want it's not a race if you if you feel oh. like if you feel like it's a race, then that's the ego talking. Yeah, it's, it's just a you're a human you're a human being, so be you're not a human doing. So human stop. racing. Mm. I don't know race. Step out of the race, man. Give yeah, it up. Man. Surrender. Surrender. Yeah, Give man. Up. All right, right everyone. Um, play with these puppies. <laughs> that had a, that had a very different kind of sex tape. <laughs> That had a that had a very different connotation a few years ago, before my metanoia. <laughs> and I'm, going I'm, to, very I'm going to literally play with my puppies. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, puppies! Is they're furry? Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Gotta wake these puppies up. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.